0: You know, it's a, it's a blessing for Michelle and I to get to to get to get be at this church. You know, I was thinking as I was sitting here as we were praying. I, I never expected to be back in Mississippi. I'll just be honest with you guys. It was nowhere in my plans. It was nowhere on my radar. When I left to go to California, I didn't know where God was going to leave me uh, after that, but I knew that I was glad to be gone for Mississippi and I would never be back. But lo and behold, God had other plans. I, I had... Uh, I'd been in seminary for almost three years, and I was just about finished. I never, I never got my degree. I was close, but uh, God burdened my heart in a way that I could, not, I could not stay in California. I could not do it. God had put some things on my heart, and I just felt like I had to come back to Mississippi. Now, I didn't feel like that was a permanent thing. I felt like it might just be for a season. I didn't know why. God didn't tell me why, because if he would have told me, I wouldn't have come back. I, I'll, I'll be honest with you guys. I probably wouldn't have come back. I came back to Mississippi. One person in particular was on my mind that God had burdened me for. And praise the Lord, I've seen God transform that person's life in in that time that I've been back. But I came back and was back a couple months, and I think it was Miss Angelina that came to me and said, hey, how would you feel about being a youth and children guy at Enterprise? And I said... <laughs> I don't think that God has called me to that, but I'll pray about it, you know. And lo and behold, I prayed about it, and I felt like God saying, this is where I'm putting you for this season in your life. And I did not want to hear that. It's not that I didn't love you guys or didn't love Enterprise Baptist Church, but that's not where I, where I wanted to be. And, and so I was pretty reluctant, but I knew what God had, had called me to, where he had called me to, and so this is, this is where I ended up. And never expected to be pastor of Enterprise Baptist Church. That was kind of a shock. And if God would have told me, you know, in 2010, 11, look, I'm going to bring you back to Mississippi to pastor Enterprise Baptist Church, I probably wouldn't have come back to Mississippi. But God's ways are higher than my ways, and praise the Lord, He brought me back. I met a wonderful woman, and uh, she was never coming back to Mississippi either. Ain't that something? God brings two people that ain't ever coming back to Mississippi and brings them together. And here we are, and it has been a blessing. God God knew where I needed to be, even if this wouldn't have been my first choice. It's been a blessing for me to get to be here with you guys. It's been a blessing because I have seen how God has worked in Enterprise Baptist Church. I see the heart of the people that he has, he has put in this place. And, and, and I, I may be biased, but, man, I feel like God has blessed us, and I feel like we got it good. And every church may be this way, but, man, I feel like God has done so much good stuff through us, and, 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 and don't get proud. I'm not telling you that to to give you a pat on the back to make you proud, but so we can give God glory. Because it's not any of us who's done anything. It's all of us together as a group, but it's none of us as individuals. It is God who has brought us together as this group and given us those strengths that we need to do those tasks that we do for His service. No matter what those tasks may be, God has given us all a passion for something. And I want to encourage you, if God has put something on your heart and you are passionate about some ministry and we're not doing that here, then come talk to me about it and say, Look, God has has put these this group on my heart, this place on my heart, these people on my heart. And let's talk about that and pray about that. And and let's see if we can we can fulfill maybe something that God has in store for us. And just like Nyan just said about the shoe boxes, talking about that, that is her passion. Praise the Lord. There may be some others of you in here that have a passion for something. And and and, and if God has put that on your heart, then 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 come talk to me about it and we'll pray about it. And you never know what God may lead us to do with that. So, anyway, I said all that to say uh, I thank the Lord for you guys. I appreciate you guys. And it is a blessing uh, to be here in this church. All right, now let's continue on with the miracles in the book of John. John chapter 6, John chapter 6, verses 1 through 15. Miracles of John, a little mini-series we've been in for a few weeks. We've looked at a couple of different uh, miracles that Jesus has done to this point. This is by no means, if you're just joining us, this is by no means all of the miracles that Jesus did while he was on earth. If they were all done, we wouldn't even have enough room to keep them all probably. He, He did no telling how many number... Of miracles while he was here, but we're just looking at a few of them, uh, just to kind of give us an understanding of some things that were were taking place in the time of Jesus. And so we've seen Jesus turn water into wine. Uh, We've seen uh, Jesus heal people. We saw Jesus last week uh, go down to the pool where all the sick people were waiting. And Jesus went down and healed this man who was unable to get up and and get to the pool on his own, making the point that, look, it's not some pool. It's not some worldly thing that we can go to or we can seek for help. But it is Jesus who is going to be able to uh, deliver us. And so we talked about that last week. And this week we're talking about another miracle where Jesus is about to feed 5,000 people. 5,000 men, I should say. The text says that there are also some women and children. It says 5,000 men. So who knows how many people there are in this passage that we're going to look at today. Now, of all the, the miracles that Jesus did, if I'm not mistaken, this is the only one that is mentioned in all four of the gospel accounts. It's mentioned in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, there are some, some differences in this, in this miracle and some differences in, in some other things that we see in Scripture too. There are some details that one gospel writer may, may, may mention that another one doesn't. There are some details that may seem to be different one from another. So there's a couple of ways that we can look at that. One we can say is that maybe even though these instances were very similar, maybe it was two or three or four different instances that Jesus did a very similar miracle. That is not beyond the realm of possibility that Jesus may have did some similar things on multiple times. Although I do believe that this is the same thing that's being talked about in all four of these texts when it talks about Jesus feeds the five thousand. I do not think that God's Word is, is not dependable and that we cannot trust it because there are some varying views as to who said what or who did what or who was told to do this or how it was done, but but, but keep in mind that, that when the Bible was written, that some of these writers were writing things that they had heard, they may have been using another source that they were getting their information from, they may have heard the story, some of them may have seen the story, they may have been in different uh, areas and they may have heard different very. It, or depending on where they were, if they were around when the miracle happens, they may have seen it from a different angle. We understand this. We 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 know that that when we say something, that usually by the time it gets around, it's not how it started out. If you don't believe me, get on our prayer chain, and you will see that that is the case. Now. I'll start out the prayer chain for somebody that's sick, and by the time, like three days later, I'll somebody will ask me about so-and-so, and I'll say, I didn't know they were sitting there, so that's on the prayer chain. And this done got so, and I don't know how it does it. I don't know, I hope none of you, if you are doing it intentionally, stop. But I don't think anybody intentionally is changing the name. But somehow, through the mix, the the details of the story change. Now, Thankfully, in these miracles, we don't get that far off track as we do on our prayer chain. But there are some differences as to what took place. That does not mean that God's Word is not trustworthy. God's Word is just as trustworthy as ever, and there's nothing that we can trust more than the Word of God. But but each of these stories... We won't look at all of them today, but you may hear me say something that I don't read in the text, and that's because I'm, I'm referring to something that was said in one of the other accounts. But you can go back and you can read for yourself this week the other, uh, the other three gospel accounts of the feeding of the 5,000. And when you take all of the details together, you begin to see the story as a whole. But even if you just had one account or the other, the point is still the same. We're still going to understand what's taking place and the importance of the text in these verses. So, John chapter 6, verse 1. After this, Jesus crossed the Sea of Galilee, or Tiberias, and a huge crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was performing by healing the sick. So Jesus went up a mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, a Jewish festival, was near. Therefore, when Jesus looked up and noticed a huge crowd coming toward him, he asked Philip, Where will we buy bread so these people can eat? He asked this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered, Two hundred denarii worth of bread... Wouldn't be enough for each of them to have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Then Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, so they sat down. The men numbered about five thousand. Then Jesus took the loaves, and after giving thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also with the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were full, he told his disciples, Collect the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they collected them and filled twelve baskets with pieces from the five barley loaves that were left over by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign he he had done, they said, This really is the prophet who has come into who was to come into the world. Therefore, when Jesus knew that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Let's pray. Father God, I come to you. I thank you for this word today, and I pray, God, that you just would would speak to us today, God, that your word would have an impact on our heart, an impact on our life, God, that your Holy Spirit, through these words, as we hear them and as we look at them on these pages in our Bible, would speak to our hearts, God, that we would understand what they're trying to say, dear Lord, that you would just speak through me, that you would hide me behind the cross, dear Lord, that you would open all of our ears and open all of our eyes, God, and that something in this text, dear Lord, would be of good to us today. So I pray that everything today would be for your glory and for your kingdom. I pray that if there's one in this room, dear Lord, that does not know you, Lord Jesus, that today that they would hear something and that they would trust in you. So help us to learn from this miracle today, God. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. All right, so this is is an awesome miracle. This is a good miracle. Some of you have probably heard the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 hundreds of times in your life, maybe even thousands of times in your life. Some of you have heard the story a lot. Some of you have maybe never heard it at all. and That's okay if you hadn't. Uh, we're going to look at it in detail today, and we're going to talk about it. Now, the scene up until this point is that Jesus had become kind of a big deal, for lack of a better term. He had done lots of miracles, and by this point people had uh, begun to see all the things that he had done, the healing of the sick and all these different things, and so no doubt people were following him. Everybody was following him. It says, and a huge crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was performing by healing the sick. Now, it doesn't say that they were following him because they knew that he was the Son of God. Now, maybe some of them did, but in the text it says that they were following him because they saw that he was healing the sick. That is, they weren't seeking Jesus to to worship him and follow him for who he was, but instead they were seeking Jesus for what he could do for them. And that's understandable. If you've been suffering with a sickness for your whole life, if you've got all this stuff going on and you hear about a man who has the power to heal sickness, why would you not go seek him out? Why would you not go follow him? There were some people who probably went to Jesus to get their sickness healed, but they may not have realized who he was. They may not have have, have followed him as a servant of the Lord. We saw that that could very well have been the case with the guy last week. I don't know if he really got it or not. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. I'm not sure from the text that we looked at if the guy really understood and followed Jesus. He, he finally realized kind of who Jesus was, but I don't know if he put faith and trust in Jesus. There were some that we saw in these miracles who had begun to seek Jesus out, but the guy we looked at last week did not seek Jesus out. Rather, Jesus seeked him out. We talked about the importance of that of that in our life. And that is Jesus will meet us where we are. He will reveal himself to us. Maybe somebody will come and share the gospel. Maybe we see it in God's word. And maybe Jesus is revealed to us in some way. But just because Jesus is revealed to us and we know who he is, doesn't necessarily mean that we are going to follow him and trust in him as our Lord and Savior. And I think that that was probably true for some of these. They were following him because they saw that he was healing the sick. They weren't necessarily coming to him as their savior. They were coming to him and saying, what can you do for me? Now let's pause there for a second and think. Are we ever guilty of the same thing in our life? How many times do we seek Jesus and pray and pray and pray to God, help me with this, help me with that, help me with this, help me with that, help me with this, help me with that, and never once do we seek God just to praise Him for who He is. We're always seeking God saying, God, what can you do for me? God, what can you do for me? But that shouldn't be our heart. That shouldn't be our attitude. Our attitude should not be just to seek the Lord for what He can do for us. Our attitude should be that we are going to seek and praise the Lord for what he has done for us through Jesus Christ. And so I think sometimes we can be guilty of what some of the people in Jesus' day were guilty of. And that is they were seeking Jesus for healing. They were seeking what he could do for them, but they weren't trusting in him. They weren't giving him the praise and worship that he is worthy of. So let us check ourselves. Let us make sure that we are getting into that trap. Because sometimes, you know, we're a Christian for a long time, and it's not that we don't love the Lord. It's not that we haven't trusted the Lord as our Lord and Savior. But sometimes we get to where maybe we're not coming together and and, and fellowship with one another. Maybe we're not reading God's Word. Maybe we're not praying. And then all of a sudden we, we, we don't give God the praise that He is worthy of, and we just go to God asking Him, Help me, 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 and never once seeking to do His will. So we don't want to be guilty of the same thing that some of the people in God's word were guilty of. So Jesus went up a mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now, one thing that we don't see in this account of of this Jesus feeding the 5,000 here is we don't see what Jesus' response was. Now they had they had just gotten out of the boat, but all these people were following them, and Jesus didn't say. He could have said, oh, not again. Have y'all ever done that before as Christian? Like, like, like God maybe put you somewhere and you had something you could do to serve, and you're just kind of tired and you just don't want to do it. And like you know you should. And it's like, oh God, not again. Do I really have to do this? But instead, what Jesus said, it says in the text, Jesus saw these people, and he said that they were like sheep without a shepherd, and it says that he had compassion on them. Now, you know Jesus had to be tired, right? I mean, he had been healing people left and right probably. All these people were always flocking to him. They can't even, they can't even get in a boat and cross, cross a lake and get over to somewhere else. To There's thousands more people there waiting, and he doesn't say not again, Father. He says, these people, they need me. And so Jesus had compassion on them. So there they were and they were on this mountain. Jesus was having compassion on the people the same as he does for you and I, right? The same as he does for you and I. Because look, this this is what Jesus does. He looks at you and me and he sees that you're a sinner, and he sees that, 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 that maybe you, you're, you're not doing right, and maybe you're not always coming to him for the right reasons, but he looks at you, and he knows that you're a sinner, and he has compassion on you. And he listens to you. And through the Holy Spirit, we get God giving us comfort, giving us strength, giving, giving us guidance. And through God's Word, we see the compassion of the Lord. We, Jesus doesn't just leave us in our sinfulness, praise the Lord. Jesus has compassion on us. He had so much compassion on us that he died and gave his life for us. That's what he did for the people that he ministered to the whole time he was on this earth. And that's what he does for you and I. For those of us who will put our trust in him, he is there to have compassion on you, to give you grace and to give you mercy. That's what he was doing with the people here. Now the Passover, a Jewish fest- Jewish. Festival was near. Now, some would say uh, that this, this passage actually should have come before the chapter 5 passage in chronological order. That's neither here nor there, but last week I mentioned that it could have been the Passover that Jesus was going to, and that's why. Doesn't matter when this happened, but there is some discussion as to, as to when this Passover took place, whether it was here or before what happened in chapter 5. But anyway, the festival was near. Therefore, Jesus looked up and noticed a huge crowd coming toward him. He asked Philip, Where will we buy bread so these people can eat? Now here's one of those differences that we see in God's word in some of the other gospel accounts. In some of the gospel accounts, it says that the disciples came to Jesus and said, Look, it's getting late. These people, you know, we're in the middle of nowhere. These people need to go so they can have time to eat. But in this particular uh, uh, version that John gives us here. He says that Jesus asked the question. G, uh, he looked up he asked Philip, where will we buy bread so these people can eat? You know, in the other account where the disciples said, look, these people need to eat. You need to send them away. Jesus said, look, we need to feed these people. Boy, that's good to know. Is that when we come to Jesus and have a need, Jesus does not send us away. The disciples said, send them away, Lord. But Jesus said, no, I'm going to meet their need right now because they are right here with me. The crowd came to him, and Jesus saw a need, and he met it. And it is the same for us. It's that when we come to Jesus and seek him to help meet our need, he doesn't push us away, he doesn't turn us away, he doesn't tell us, hey, go fend for yourself. He meets us where we are, and he meets our needs. But he he asked Philip, where will we buy bread so these people can eat? He asked this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. He was testing Philip to, to test his faith. Obviously, Philip had seen Jesus do some stuff up until this point. He knew Jesus had the power to do, I'm assuming at this point, anything he wanted to. I believe Philip would have, would have recognized that. Jesus definitely had the power to do anything he wanted to do, and Philip should have known that. And Jesus asked him a question, where are we going to get the bread from to feed them? He asked that, to test him. And Philip answered, 200 denarii worth of bread wouldn't be enough for each of them to have a little. Alright, so here we go. Philip doesn't really show a whole lot of faith in Jesus here. Instead, he kind of makes an excuse. He says, look Jesus, if we have 200 denarii worth of bread, we couldn't even feed these all these people just a little bit. Now, 200 denarii, that would be about the equivalent of a little over six months of pay. The average pay back then was about a uh, one denary a day, so you do the math, that's a little over six months' pay. It would have took six months' pay, and Philip said, even then, we wouldn't be able to buy enough bread for all these people who were there. That was a lot of people there. Remember, 5,000 men, not counting women and children. Let's say they all had a wife and one kid. That's 15,000. Some of them may have had multiple kids. Some of them may have not been married at all. But But you can figure there were lots of thousands of people at this place. That's even hard to fathom. That's like, that's like going to a, to a big arena somewhere, like a sports arena, like a basketball arena. I think there are many basketball arenas that seat fifteen to 20,000. And can you imagine that many people who had gathered on a hillside to see Jesus, and Jesus sees their need, and Philip says, Look, there's no way, there's no human way that it's possible for us to feed all of these people. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? All right, so, so Andrew says, Look, all right, here's what we got. We don't have much, Lord. We got a few loaves and we got a couple of fish. But come on, let's be real. That's not going to feed anybody. But Jesus was getting ready to do something miraculous for his disciples and for these people. And then Jesus said... Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, so they sat down. The men numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, and after giving thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also with the fish, as much as they wanted. That's good stuff. Jesus didn't just give them a little bit to get by. It says he gave them as much as they wanted. (coughs) And that's a good point for us to recognize is that Jesus doesn't half do anything when he does it for us. When Jesus gives to us, Jesus gives us everything we need. When God gave Jesus Christ to die on a cross for us, God gave everything we needed. God didn't say, I'm going to give you a part of it. Jesus is a part of it, and you've got to add to a little bit more and do a few more good things and do a few more, and then that will be enough to, to equal up to what I require for you to be mine and to be in, in heaven for all of eternity. That's not what God did. When God provided for us in Jesus Christ, he provided everything that we possibly can need what so Jesus did for the people here. He didn't give them just enough to get by. He gave them all that anybody could want. Could you imagine the disciples as Jesus starts breaking the loaf and the fish and, and handing it to them and he just keeps handing it to them and keeps handing it to them and keeps handing it to them and keeps handing it to them, it to them until they feed 5, 10, 15, 20,000 people. Can you imagine? It's like that shoe box with all that stuff. It just keeps coming out. You think this ain't even possible. But that's what Jesus, that had to be an amazing time to be there. You would think after this point, the disciples, just anything Jesus said, they'd be like, whatever, Lord. They didn't. They still, ain't that something? Ain't that something? The disciples got to be there as Jesus took a couple of loaves and kept breaking them all until there was enough to feed no telling how many thousands of people. And you know they still doubted him some. That's pretty unbelievable. You know, we do the same thing, and it's pretty unbelievable. You know, God tells us all this stuff. And we read about the disciples and we say, Them idiots, how can they do that? How can they be there right with Jesus and see exactly what He did and know who He was and not trust Him? And I say to us, us idiots, how can we do that? How can we read about God's Word, see all God does in our life, see the blessings that God gives us, and not trust Him? Oh, we're going to follow You, Lord. We're going to follow You all is good. And then six months from now, we find ourselves in a mess because we quit trusting in the Lord just like... The disciples did. So we don't want to be guilty of that. But Jesus fed them. He fed them all that they could possibly want. Not only did He feed them how much they wanted, but there was a little bit left over. When they were full, He told His disciples, collect the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they collected them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces from the five barley loaves that were left over by those who had eaten. Not only did they feed all those thousands of people, but there was still a little bit left over. You know, when God provides for us, he provides all we need, and he provides over and above what we need. Not only does he take care of what we need, but he also leaves us something left over. And I believe that that's true in God's Word today. I believe that that's true in churches today. Is that when we give to the Lord, that it just seems like the more we do to serve the Lord, that if we're doing it in the right heart, that God will continue to bless us and continue to use us. But the question is, what are we doing with the leftovers? I'm talking about in your life. I'm talking about when God blesses you, when God does for you, when God takes care of you, and you are blessed over in and in a, in, in beyond abundantly more than what you need, what are you doing with the leftovers? Because let's be honest. Let's face it. All of us, I'd say, in this room are blessed. We, we've got our needs met. We, we're going to eat food today. We've got clothes today. We're going to go home. We're going to have electricity. We're probably going to watch some TV. I mean, We've got it pretty good, right? God has blessed us with everything we need. We've got a lot of stuff that we don't need, that we want, that we've got. And and for most of us, if not all of us, we are blessed over and above what we need. We've got a lot left over. The question is, Christian, what are you doing with the leftovers? Now, as I was going through these verses, I was thinking how can I preach this God because, because I want to say that, 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 that Jesus you meet all of our needs every time we have them and, and Jesus does but sometimes we pray and sometimes our, our needs aren't met instantly we don't, we don't have Jesus standing here before us breaking loaves of bread and so and I was thinking God what, what are we to do with this passage because like, I, I know that God can meet our needs and he does meet our needs. But what about those times where we see people suffering and it doesn't appear that, that, that Jesus is meeting their needs. And they seem like good Christian people and they're, and they're doing everything right. But it doesn't seem like their needs are getting met. There are so many needs that need to get met in this world that aren't getting met. And I'm thinking, God, how can I justify that and say in these verses that, that Jesus is meeting the needs of the people? And I felt like God say. When Jesus was here, he met the need. But now Jesus is in you, and I'm calling you to meet the need. You see, Jesus comes into our life, and Jesus isn't walking around on this earth anymore. But Jesus is in us, and we, Christian, as a church, are the ones who are called to do God's work. And when we look around and we say, God, why aren't you helping that person? Why aren't you helping that person? We may need to look at ourselves and say, why are we helping that person? We may be waiting on somebody else to do it, or maybe we've been waiting on the Lord to do it, but maybe the fact of the matter is that God has called you to do it. Maybe God is calling you to meet the need. Maybe God has blessed you over and above and beyond anything that you ever need and you've got baskets full of leftovers but you're not using them for the Lord. If there's a need that needs to be met, church, we need to meet it. We don't need to wait for somebody else to meet it. We need to meet the needs that come our way with what God has blessed us with. And God will keep on blessing us. I believe that. Now, I'm going to tell you something now. Don't get proud. I'm not bragging. I'm not boasting. I'm just telling you for the sake of illustration's sake. Now, God has blessed us in this church tremendously. Now, for years, we had 100000 or more dollars in the bank account. But in the last few years, we have begun to take, take heed of things in this world and in our community that have a need. And we have begun to give that money back last year we had our our budget set, we had the amount of money that we had, and we we went through, and and last year, Enterprise Baptist Church, to all the missions and everything that we gave to, we gave out $51,000, that's pretty good, I'm not bragging, I'm not boasting, I'm just just saying, some of you may not have realized how much that we gave last year, and you know, at the end of the year, whenever we had the amount we started with, at the end of the year, guess what, we had $15,000 left over. And so praise the Lord, we had leftovers. And praise God, he put it on our heart. He gave us opportunities, and we gave all that money back. We gave all that money back. We gave it to the Free Burma Rangers, and we gave it to the the orphanage in Haiti. $15,000. That's a pretty good deal. So we set our budget for this year. Guess what? We get to the end of the year. We gave away $55,000 this last year. Praise God for that. You know how much money we had at the end of the year? $15,000. Ain't that something? Ain't that something? We give it away, and we keep on doing, and God keeps giving it back. And guess what? Praise the Lord. I hope that we keep giving it away. Because that's what God has called us to do, church. God has called us to be the hands and feet. God has called us that when we got into the world, that others see Jesus in us. These people that we live in the world this day and age, they're not going to see Jesus until he comes back. So they're not seeing Jesus walking around on a mountain, handing out pieces of bread and breaking them and doing miracles like that. But what they are seeing are you and I. And us writing the checkout for $500, $1,000 may not seem like a miracle like Jesus breaking the bread. But you never know what impact that's going to have. Just the same way that Jesus met people's need in his ministry, he calls us to meet a need in the world today. It's not just with money. It may be with our time. It may be that you've got some extra time on your hand. And you're sitting there thinking, what can I do? Well, come see me after church. We'll figure something out. We want to make the most of our time. We want to be obedient and faithful as servants of the Lord. We want the world to see Jesus Christ in us, not see us, not give ourselves a pat on the back, don't get proud about money we give. We give glory to God. We don't want people to say, look, they gave a bunch of money. We want people to say, look at the love that they have. Look at the need that's being met that other people would see Jesus through that. And when we love people, When we help meet people's needs, when we meet people where they are, when we don't judge, when we love the unlovable, when we go to the places that nobody else will go, when we just, I'm talking about just love people. I'm talking about just love them. When we do that, it is going to change the world. Everything we do for the Lord, it has an impact. There are things that some of you have done that you don't realize the impact that it has had. There are people that I see that they say, this happened, that happened, this was given to me, that was done for me, and it makes a big impact. People will say stuff like, "Like I, I didn't really have a lot of trust in the Lord, but through this thing that some Christian did for me, it helped me to realize how good God is. And so we want to do that. That's what we want the world to see, is the love of Christ. And God has called us to be the hands and the feet. God has called us to do the miracles. God has called us to take care of the people. God has called us to be compassionate to those sheep who are without a shepherd. Not that we are the shepherd. We're not. But Jesus is the shepherd. We just want them to be part of the flock. We want them to look over and say, boy, the grass is greener on the other side. We don't want to look at, them, look at us over the pasture and say, well, look at them sheep over there. They're biting each other and they're kicking each other and they're fussing and feeding with each other. And this one won't let that one eat. Sometimes that's what we look like as Christians. But that's not what we want to look like, sheep. That's not what we want to look like. We want the rest of the world to look over at us and our green pastures and say, boy, the grass is greener on the other side. I want to be part of that flock. Are you part of the flock? At the end of the passage, it says that, that Jesus knew that the people saw and they realized what was going on, and they were ready to make him king. They were ready to, to set him up in power right there, and Jesus he slipped away because he knew his time had not yet come. He knew his time had not yet come because he knew he had a little ministry left to do until he would give his life for you and me on the cross. And when he gave his life for you and me on the cross and he shed his blood, it was so that we could all be provided for. Above and beyond anything we can do. Praise the Lord. He paid it all. He gave us everything we needed so that we could be part of the flock, so that we could be the sheep that he is having compassion on. Are you one of the sheep? Are you part of the flock? Have you been washed by the blood? If you have a need that needs to be met, I can tell you there's none of us in this church that can fully meet it. It is only Jesus Christ who can meet every need you have. Do you trust Him? Let's pray. Father God, I come to you this morning. And I thank you for this good miracle. I thank you for these cool things you did, dear Lord Jesus, when you were on this earth. It's pretty cool that you just, you just fed people, God. And that seems like such a such a simple thing. But, God, maybe there are times in our life that you're going to put people in front of us. And, God, we, we always feel like we're not doing enough maybe if we're not preaching or, or, not, or, or can't quote Scripture great. But, God, maybe you're just calling some of us to feed somebody. Dear Lord, whatever opportunities you place in our path, let us just do it. Let us do it just because we're in love with you, dear Lord, and we want to bring you glory. And so when we see those people in need, God... Let us do, do, do little miracles, dear Lord. Buying somebody a hamburger. That may not seem like a miracle, but we just never know, dear Lord, what kind of impact that's going to have on somebody's life. So help us to, to be about your work, God. Help us not to be proud, dear Lord, or, or boast in, in what we do, because we don't do anything, God. I mean, you bless us and we thank you for it, but apart from you, we can't do anything. So let us never think too highly of ourselves, but always to think highly of you, Lord. I pray, Lord Jesus, that if there's one in this room that's just struggling, maybe there are some that are yours, that are your sheep, and they're struggling today, and they just feel like that they're hungry, like that they have needs that haven't been met spiritually, and they're struggling. I pray that you'd fill them, dear Lord, that you'd be all that they need, dear Lord, that they would trust your word today, that they would know that man doesn't live by bread alone, but on every word of yours, dear Lord God. And So I pray that they would be full on your word today, God, I pray that maybe there's one in this room and Lord Jesus, they, they don't know you. They've, maybe they've come to church a lot. Maybe they've never been to church in their life. Maybe they know about you, Lord Jesus, and they've been coming to you like some of these sick people were and they were, they were following you because they heard about you, but, but God, they've heard about you and they hadn't trusted you. I pray that if there was one in this room today that hadn't trusted you, Lord Jesus, that they would trust you today. That they would just accept you as Lord and Savior. That they would ask that you would forgive them, that they would ask that you would come into their heart, and that you would just give them that joy today, dear Lord, give them that peace to know that they're part of the flock, God. So I pray that as we sing today, that as each one's here, that if there's a decision to be made, God, if somebody needs to respond to you, that they would today. And God, I just praise you this morning because you are so worthy of praise, and you are good to us, God, and I thank you that we can come and worship and that we can hear your good word. God, I thank you for calling us to be your servants. I thank you for calling us to be your hands and feet. Sometimes we may not think of ourselves that way. Sometimes we may not realize the importance of what that is, but help us to get it today, dear Lord. Help us to be about your work and to be on mission for you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.